Hello everyone and welcome to season three of the Littlest Pet Cast. I am your host, James, and we start off with the episode War of the Weirds. Now, if you are wondering why I'm starting here, um I did explain it in the uh last bonus episode. But I'll uh, explain it again here just in case. Basically, I'm doing season three in Netflix order, not air date order, which makes things a little more complicated for me. But this is the way I know the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut. So now that that's out of the way, we begin in downtown city. With the pets and Mrs. Twombly in the shuttle. And Mrs. Twombly is singing uh, the wheels on the littlest pet shuttle go round and round. Stuff like that. After she's done, she asks the pets to sing, but they don't. And Mrs. T blames it on the language barrier between pets and animals. But in reality... The pets aren't excited because this shuttle trip is from the vet's office. So, but Mrs. Twombly doesn't know, not, like she knows, doesn't care that much. Or I don't know. She she has to care. Maybe she doesn't know why. Maybe it is the language barrier because she wouldn't know why they're not enthusiastic. Except for Minka, but Minka's always enthusiastic, so she turns on the radio and listens to whatever music is on there. So, yeah, like I said, the pets aren't excited because uh, they just got out of the vet. And they say stuff like how the vet's hands are cold. Zoe says that uh, she's used to the vet as a show dog. And that as a show dog, she has... A whole staff of people to make sure that she's in tip-top shape. However, Minka freaks out about the word tip-top, and Zoe apologizes for not remembering that that was one of Minka's trigger words. But Minka says she's okay. And you know what? I guess that's a solid friend moment. Like, it's, it's like learning... Someone's triggers can be, like, a learning curve. Like, as long as you make an effort to try or do better in the future, it's something. Penny says she likes the vet because they gave her seven cookies that she's eating right now. (laughs) Pepper asks Penny to think if she should have shared the cookies (laughs) with everyone else. And Penny's like... Ah, okay. (laughs) So, back up at the front, after the music stops, an ad for Largest Ever Pet Shop comes on, hosted by the one and only Fisher Biscuit. Mrs. Twombly attempts to switch to the radio station, but it is on every radio station, which makes me believe that the Biscuits have some kind of pirate radio going on. Which, it's still highly illegal, but it's probably only a finable offense now, and, you know, you could probably get away with it. I mean, I don't know why. 
Like, like you, you, you have millions. You could probably just pay the licensing fee for every station, unless like it's at ludicrously high. Especially if you're like, you know, playing hardball with all of them. I mean, I guess that's more time-consuming and just hijacking every radio line in the area is easier and you'll make the returns anyway but still come on <laughs> uh biscuit pirate radio so she turns off the radio and gets mad but also wants more advertising opportunities herself uh so we go back to the back and Vinny sees a trash can and punches Sunil. Sunil says that since Vinny didn't tell him that we were playing the whoever sees a trash can first gets to punch them game. So because of that, that's a foul, and Sunil gets four penalty punches. But Vinny is worried and then points to what worries him to Sunil, which is a UFO and they both get scared because they both say aliens are invading <laughs> so after the theme song is played uh, like I guess during the theme song they showed everyone else the alien spaceship and Sunil is worried about the alien overlord but Mink is like I know that guy and it flashes back to stand up stinker where Minka met the alien overlord she then questions if a guy with three heads is one person or three people, but that's neither here nor there at this point because Pepper points out that Sunil's worried about this new alien, not the alien you met. So uh, Penny then says that she heard aliens come down in the middle of the night and tip you over. So it then cuts to an imaginative fantasy of a cow pasture where aliens like the typical alieny aliens like like the like the big head big old black eyes come down and they're laughing and they kind of sound like teenagers <laughs> but but they don't go to a cow they go to Penny, who is sleeping, A, standing up, and B, in a onesie, and dips her over. <laughs> and Penny's like, what? And Penny's like, yeah, that's right. Aliens are panda tippers. And everyone is shocked. Like, that's that's a common thing. Why do pandas sleep standing up? <laughs> like, 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 pandas... Like, I don't think pandas stand up much at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe this universe is a bit different? But, I don't know. So then, the shuttle gets back to the littlest pet shop. And Blythe uh, asks if she can help with the animals. And Mrs. Tombley asks, is Fisher Biscuit a giant jerk? 
And Blythe says, I'll take that as a yes. So uh, they open the door and the pets just like fly out and go into the shop. And Blythe asks, what's up? And Mrs. Tromley is like, I don't know, but this gives me an idea. I'm going to hire a sign spinner. So the pets burst into the play area and start building defenses. Vinny wants to set up Fort Vinny, but Sunil uh, asks, why can't it be named after the both of them? And then Vinny's like, fine, Fort Vinny and Sunil. But then Sunil asks, why can't I have the first name in there? And Vinny's like, fine, Fort Sunil and Vinny. And then Sunil says, this feels more like a bunker. And then Vinny's like, look, I don't care. We're getting invaded by aliens. If you don't want them in your mind, just just go with it. And that convinces Sunil to just go for it. So Russell is working at a whiteboard and Pepper asks what he's doing. And Russell says he's trying to come up with a universal language to speak with the aliens to. Okay, a universal language is a, like, terrible idea. Just just a terrible, terrible idea. Because, like, like first off, like, how will the aliens know this language if you're creating it? Like, you would have to know an alien language to, like, get them to understand the concepts of this universal language that you're creating. And also, a universal language doesn't even work with people on Earth because everyone in the world, all cultures, are varied and need to get across different ideas. So even if you introduce a universal language... It's going to get corrupted. Look at what's happening with English now. There are so many variations on English that it's just hilarious. And look at what happened with Latin, even. That became hundreds of languages all across, uh, like, East, Western Europe? Western to Southern Europe? Like, however far the Roman side of the Roman Empire got to, there's still, like, the Byzantine Empire, but they spoke mostly Greek or other Eastern European language or even Arabic, I think. It's it's weird. History of language is fun, but it does point out the entire folly with coming up with a universal language. Ah, just had to get that out there. I wrote in my notes, might need to resist this, but no, I I can't resist. Creating a universal language is a fool's errand. Okay, so just just stop. So, Pepper asks what he has so far, and Russell raspberries. Pepper is offended by this, but Russell says that that's all he has so far. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. I can't 
quite raspberry well. So Penny builds a fort to keep herself from being tipped over. Zoe says she's not worried because she thinks she's fashionable enough to get the aliens on her side. Pepper is more worried because she doesn't think her style of humor will translate well to this out-of-town crowd and freaks out about getting a ray gun to the head. Now, with their fort built, Vinny and Sunil pop out, ready to defend. But immediately, Vinny points out the folly of Sunil using a pooper scooper to defend against aliens. Sunil says that it's better than Vinny's mop, and is like, oh, what are you going to do? Make the floor wet around them? Well, I mean, if you've seen Master Keaton, making the floor wet it really works against old tanks, at least. <laughs> I'm sure new tanks have figured that out but you know like like don't give like slapstick any crap because it could work you don't know like it it worked in home alone it, it could work in this universe they argue about the name again because Sunil says it's Fort Sunil, but Vinny insists on Fort Vinny. I guess now that all of their ducks are in a row, they can start this petty squabble over. But Minka interrupts them and says that everything will be fine because she's talked with aliens before. I can do this, right? And everyone else, knowing the truth about this, freaks out even harder. So... We cut outside the little pet shop now, and guess who's back? Madison. Madison is out there in a Statue of Liberty costume, and Mrs. Trombley is instructing her on how to be a sign twirler. And Madison asks her to repeat everything. And Mrs. Trombley's like, okay, so you gotta spin the sign. Not too fast, but not too slow. Then you gotta add in some dance moves and let people know that you're happy. And then just to spice things up, use some kung fu. <laughs> you got that? And then she gives Madison the sign and she just does the bare minimum. And she's holding the sign backwards. So Mrs. Tomley grabs it and flips it around and is like, fine, whatever. So, uh, back in the pet shop, Blythe comes down, even, I don't know why she went up in the first place, because she was, like, right outside. Maybe she had homework or something that she had to do. But, you know, she came down, you know, to see everyone. But, uh, she comes face to face with Penny's Fortress, and then she turns to see everyone wearing a tinfoil hat. She asks what's going on, and the pets start yammering, and Blythe asks them to just, you know, one at a time. Russell then explains that downtown city is being invaded by aliens. Blythe thinks that's silly, and to prove it, she calls her dad. She asks Roger, uh, she clarifies that this might be somewhat of a weird question, but like, Roger's game for it. 
So she asks Roger if aliens exist. And Roger says that, you know, I can't be sure if they exist or don't. And Blythe is like, what? And he's like, I mean, I don't know what I saw up there. It could be lightning. It could be, like, trick of the light. It could be, you know, something else. But I've seen some strange stuff up there. One time I even saw a cloud shaped like my Aunt Laura. <laughs> Roger is just the greatest. Does that answer your question? He finishes... And Blythe is like, yeah, no, I guess. And, you know, they hang up. It's a, it's a nice conversation. Oh, God. I just love Roger. Uh, if there's one thing that cannot be said enough in this podcast, it's just how great of a character Roger is. Because, like, like you, you would think Roger would be like, oh, yeah, of course aliens exist. But, no, he gives, like, an honest, rational answer by saying that he can't be sure they exist because I've seen some things. Maybe they're out there. I don't know for sure, though. It's like a reasonable answer. And uh, Roger just has this whole, like, breadth of dadism in him. And that's what I like. <laughs> anyway... So, the pets freak out again, and Blythe says, no, no, he he can't be sure that they do exist. But then Vinny puts a tinfoil hat on her. So, in Mrs. Tombley's office, uh, she is sorting out her funds on the sign twirling and is apparently giving up the idea because she had to return the sign. But it might have I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. But then, just then, an ad comes on starring Whitney and Brittany saying that their dad's pet shop is the best and all of the other ones, especially the littlest ones, suck. So, that does confirm something. That in the city of two million, there are more than just two pet shops. <laughs> It's just the littlest and largest ever are like the two that butt heads. And I I say it's entirely largest ever's fault because, you know, littlest pet shop is in the littlest borough of uh, downtown city. And I guess that means largest ever is also in the littlest borough. So he's not honoring the borough name by just saying largest ever. He thought it was just like, you know, a naming thing. But, you know, it, it like he is a capitalist through and through. He wants the bigger, better, more bucks, more protection, more security, less needing to pay out for advertising. So, you know what? Just, like, hijack the airwaves. <laughs> I am not letting this idea go, even though there's no changing of the channels on Mrs. Tomley's end. But you know if she did, she would call the remote a clicker. You just know that. 
Anyway, as I was saying, just because we don't see her change the channel doesn't mean we can't infer that that's what would happen. I'm absolutely sure that would happen because, like, the quality of the commercial isn't the best because you see, like, a boom mic fall at one point. And, like, that's not a sign of professionalism. Now, now I know, like, that, like the Littlest Pet Shops commercial wasn't, as professional but it still had an air of professionalism to some extent like Jasper worked on it and you know he worked on it again to make it better and like there's nothing technically wrong with it even in the first place it was just the emotion behind it was Pwazovichy <laughs> but then it became Unpwazovichy with some more editing but Again, it's still, like, J Jasper in his room, a, a like, 13-year-old boy in his room is, like, more technically versed than, like, the biscuits and the robots. <laughs> Which, yeah, they're the ones holding the boom mics and the cameras. Like, I guess also Francois. Yeah, the biscuits, Francois. No, not Francois, because he's fired so it's just uh like the biscuits and an army of mon bats so they just set up this elaborate recording studio or maybe it's not even that elaborate they're filming outside and like they're just recording in their office or whatever like it's just them just hijacking the airway Maybe it's even live. Oh, God, I would love it if it was live. <laughs> but like I said, like, they're like capitalists through and through. They go into the city, just make the biggest, best, loudest thing, and just, you know, take away from, like, the, the smaller mom-and-pop corporations. Ugh. Oh, uh, they are... They are a devious bunch. Uh, so, so now that I've gotten that out of the way, um, Mrs. Twombly gets mad and yells at Fisher, but then Madison sees this, still in her Statue of Liberty costume, and Mrs. Twombly explains that that was just, you know, an outburst, you know? And then Madison's like, can I have my pay? And Mrs. Tromley's angry because she forgot she had to pay Madison. Or maybe because she knows that's really only what Madison cares about, essentially. So back in the play area, the pets are still freaking out. And Blythe takes off her hat. Vinny and Sunil warn her that uh, doing so will allow the aliens to mind control her. Vinny explains that a friend of his once told him that uh, they got abducted by aliens and the aliens made them eat all of their vegetables, which we then cut to a fantasy in which Vinny and Sunil are in a spaceship and the aliens are putting all of the vegetables into a blender and just puree that which is disgusting to be fair like like you know you should eat your vegetables 
like whatever vegetables you like, but I, I don't really think vegetables go well together, especially if you like like puree all of them. That just looks disgusting. Okay, need to get off. When they resist eating their vegetables, the aliens try pretending the spoon is an airplane, and Sunil and Vinny get confused by this, but this leaves their mouth agape, creating an opening for the aliens to just, you know, smush it in. And we go back to the reality, and Blaith asks who the friend was, and Sunil raises his hand. Blythe says that she doesn't believe in aliens, but she believes they saw something. And to say that since it was uh, Vinny and Sunil who saw it first, they have a tendency to over-exaggerate. And Vinny and Sunil's like, yeah, no, that's right. So she asks where they saw it, and Vinny says it was in the heart of downtown city after getting back from the vet. And Zoe's like, yeah, the vet, where the vet gave Penny seven cookies that were meant for all of us, but she ate them all. And Penny's like, I said I was sorry. <laughs> like, uh. So, um, <clears throat> Blythe says that they need to go to the site of the sighting to see what it actually was. Everyone is afraid except Minka, who is excited. Like, like we we cut to the rest of the pets and everyone else is like, <gasps> but Minka's like, yeah. <laughs> so we then go to the alley and we see them getting on Blythe's scooter. Minka gets on and is ready to go. And Blythe compliments Minka for being calm. Minka says, I have, haven't I? Go me! And gives herself two thumbs up. Pepper is still worried about her jokes and everyone is worried in general. Minka again reminds them of the time she went into space and you know so you have nothing to worry about so so now we cut back to the front part of the pet shop where Mrs. Tomley has a new tactic to draw in customers free samples so uh, like she takes the sample out and, you know, puts it out with some other samples that Madison is, uh, you know, sitting by a table with. And she's still in her Statue of Liberty costume. <laughs> and someone walks by and grabs a taste. He finds it disgusting. And Madison reads off the ingredients. The man is further disgusted. And Mrs. Trombley explains that those aren't cookies. They're kibble cakes for pets. And the guy runs off throwing up. Madison then says, that's funny. When I had them, I was fine. And she has another one. Uh. So, Blythe asks Penny to hop on her scooter, but Penny says no because she's worried about being tipped. Blythe reassures her that she will not allow Penny to be tipped, which is a fair and true statement <laughs> because, like, even if aliens don't exist. Some jerk teenagers might want to come over and do some panda tipping. You know, that, that thing teenagers do. But Blythe is willing to defend Penny Ling because she's a good friend. Good friends don't let people tip their friends. 
unless like you're talking about the action of tipping with money but you know what that's neither here nor there at this point so on their way to the site Sunil tells Vinny that if we don't make it back you've been a great friend of mine but he says it much more elaborate and Vinny asks to repeat it using smaller words and I will say it is a little gay just just a little gay but not not, not too much I guess it's not the gayest thing they do it's just Slightly, I guess. I don't know. I'm digging myself a hole with this, aren't I? Either way, uh, at the shop, Mrs. Twombly is cleaning up, and she thinks she's being spied on. She looks around, thinks nothing of it, but then looks around again, and then looks out the window to see a billboard with Fisher's face on it. Kind of reminiscent of those, like, glasses in Great Gatsby. And curses out Fisher again. Now, now I know, like, like they they put that up illegally somehow. <laughs> Just they had to. Like, like there's no way. Like, it's it's on a commercial resident. Well, I guess billboards can be on commercial residents. We're gonna sort of get into that, but it's like pointing right at them. It's staring right at them. <laughs> Like, like may, maybe, like, Fisher got some robots to just put it up there and just, you know, bribe the super of the apartment or whatever just to, like, put this thing up there <laughs> just, just without going through a committee. Because it's just Fisher's face. It, like, barely has words on it. Like, everyone knows who I am and everyone knows what I do, so... Yeah, now they'll just recognize me and think, oh, let's go to the largest ever pet shop. That is not an effective sign, but it's an effective trolling maneuver. And, like, like they're just pirate advertising now. <laughs> Biscuit pirate advertising. <laughs> uh, like, like, like I, I am sticking with that. So... Back at the scooter, Vinny asks Sunil if they could play whoever spots an alien first gets to punch the other one. Uh, Sunil says no. Minka asks if she sees one first, can I punch both of you? They both say no, and Sunil mansplains that this is a male bonding ritual and that as a girl she is not allowed. Minka is mad and punches both of them. Like you should. <laughs> like you should. Russell is confused about the lack of an invasion, and Blythe has a grin on her face, saying, Yeah, nope, there's no invasion. So they pass through a manhole that is smoking, which I don't think is good. And they see another smoke pile coming up from another manhole. Like, is this that one mission in Spider-Man where you have to, like, stamp on the manholes to, like get pressure to go down? Are they just, like, pressurized that much right now? Maybe. And, uh, like, through that second smokestack, they see a silhouette. Sunil thinks it's an alien in an indestructible tripod. 
and their imagination shows it, but then they pass through it, and it's a water tower. But for all I know, that could just be a giant attack robot owned by the Biscuits, and we need to get lightning to strike it to shut it down. So we have to go to, like, other Biscuit lightning rods, (laughs) shut those down so that the lightning will strike it. I love that mission in Sly 2. I, I couldn't resist. Giant attack robot. Okay. So they hear a noise and Penny thinks that it's a panda tipping machine. And Pepper points out that that's where they're keeping all their ray guns. And they see a silhouette. And they think it's an attack drone. But they pass by it and it's just a garbage truck. They then see alien snake men. But it turns out to be those wild, wacky, inflatable, waving balloon arm men at a car dealership. But they're still freaking out. And they still see snake men until, like, a bus passes by. And you can just see, like, the regularly designed wild, wacky, inflatable, waving balloon arm men. And basically that is an image that says, like, PS4 versus PS1 on it. Blythe says that they need to check their imaginations. Uh, So they arrive at the site, and Blythe is shocked that the site where they landed is largest ever pet shop. Vinny and Sunil says that that is where it was. It was right there. With it not being there anymore, however... Oh yeah, it's not there anymore, but with it not being there, they wonder what happened to it. So they think that the aliens decided to invade other cities, like Uptown City or Midtown City, who deserve it, according to them. So, so we did get confirmation that NYC still exists in uh, the last episode. So, like, now I'm wondering if they just broke off into four cities with roughly 2 million people each and each city would have about like 75.65 square miles of land area or for those not using the imperial system uh, 196 square kilometers and that's still like pretty big but nowhere near like current New York City's like 302.6 square miles or 784 square kilometers. But, you know, that's what happens when y- you break off. It just, it, it becomes this. I really want to see like how this happened. Like, I really want to see how this happened. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'll write my own fan fiction about th- that meeting, that like treaty that divides everything <laughs> up into like four different cities. <laughs> and like like wh- where where does everything go? What is what are the new things called? That that seems so interesting to me. But <laughs> 
let's just keep going. <clears throat> anyway. So the biscuits show up because it's their store and ask what they're doing there. Blythe says that she thought she saw something here when she passed by earlier, even though like it was the pads, but she's, you know, covering it up. So the biscuits say that that was their inflatable UFO, which has now been sold off by a sucker. And they make more snide remarks and then leave. Zoe says that she wouldn't mind if they got their brain probed, and Blythe says that they'd have to find the brains first. But she does explain that uh, the biscuits told us what the ship was, and the animals are confused, and Blythe explains what an inflatable is, kind of. Like, I guess it is one of those things where it's hard to explain it to someone who just doesn't know. It's just one of those things. But, you know, they seem to get it after Blythe's sort of long-winded explanation. And Vinny and Sunil said that they knew it was that. And we were just trying to make this day more exciting by instoking some paranoia. However, no one else is happy about that. So they get back to the Littlest Pet Shop... And Blythe and the pets see something that surprised them. Mrs. Trombley is excited because she bought it online for cheap. And we pan up, and it's the spaceship. Blythe asks where she got it, and Mrs. Trombley explains that she got it from a seller online named Bisher Fiskit. She then puts the pieces together... And then the spaceship opens up and it reveals an inflatable Fisher biscuit saying, Come to the largest ever pet shop. Our savings are out of this world. So, so about that line, that was the line that was said on the radio at the very beginning of the episode. And, and I could recognize the largest ever pet shop like watching it this time the last time i watched it which was the first i've only really seen this episode once because i don't know i didn't really like it that much last time but I, i i've come around this time so because of hearing that and now that i recognize the building like like last when i watched it i didn't know i didn't notice but it's one of those things where i could have it's it's great. I love that. Maybe maybe it is one of those things where it's like better on the second viewing because like you know everything, and so you can finally start putting the pieces together a little more. And it's just great. I want to talk about the inflatable a little more. So this is probably the most legal form of advertising they do because it's just Mrs. Trombley doing the advertising for them. But I think Fisher made a mistake because I think most online selling sites have a return policy and Fisher should have set the timer to go off like like a minute after the return policy was up instead of like what could be no longer than an hour after it was sold. Like I really think that like you know, 
maybe it is, but I mean, I think like the biscuits are bad at advertising, so they have to just pirate advertise. <laughs> you know, like 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 how the biscuits are bad at politics, so they just have to like strong man it. So there's evidence for it, you know. So, Mrs. Trombley swears that this isn't over and screams at the top of her lungs. And that is so loud it echoes into space. Ignore science for a minute. Sound goes into the vacuum of space. And it hits an actual flying saucer. And the alien inside is an alien that looks very similar to the alien disguise the pets used to fool Minka in Stand Up Stinker. It looks very much like that. And they tell each other, or themselves, depending on how you see it, is like a person with three heads, one person, or three people. So they tell each other that their sonic device is too strong and they need to abandon the plan to invade the planet so they and their entire fleet of flying saucers just leave and then like a credit pops up saying the end with a question mark at the end and that's where the episode ends and aliens exist in this world in theory, Roger could have actually seen an alien. No, no, Roger has seen an alien, but his rational half is telling him maybe, but, like, the Roger in him is like, yeah, definitely. And aliens exist, all right? Now, now like, put a pin in that. That is something you absolutely need to know for a future episode. Because, like, like it's it's not... You know, I'll bring it up again there. It It's not really that much. You, you know, you know when we'll get there. But, like I said, before all of this, I did say I've come around on this episode. I really enjoy it. It's stupid, but it's fun. And overall, it's a very exciting, good episode. I don't know why I didn't watch this more. Like, I mean, I liked other episodes better, and I still do, but... You know what? This is one of the reasons that the podcast exists, to just find these diamonds in what I thought were the roughs. You know? It's... It's great. So, I do have a slight announcement about Season 3 of the podcast not the show. I already made my announcement for the show. It's a whole episode in its own, and it's at the beginning of this one. So just, like, season three is going to be a bit disorganized, where, like, season two was, like, more organized because I was getting a job. Now, Now I have a job. I have school, and I have, like, plans for the holiday season. Like, at least the beginning of it is going to be a bit wonky. But I will try to get out episodes 
when I can, but it's going to be a bit wonky at the beginning. Maybe later, depending on what happens, because I'm also going to get an internship and I might graduate before the season ends, or that's might be in the season four, depending on like what happens with season three, because like it, it's going to be disjointed. Like I could, like I'm planning on doing an episode later this week, but that's only to compensate for like times later where like I'm definitely not going to have an episode. And there are times where that will happen. Trust me, but. Don't worry about that. My life is for me to worry about. And I appreciate your support in listening. And that is all I can ask you to do. But anything else would be appreciated. But you don't have to do anything else. So, with that in mind... Thank you for listening to this episode of the Littlest Petcast. I think this went a little better than getting back into season two, despite all of the craziness that delayed it to this point, and will further put a monkey wrench into season three. And be sure to uh, rate and review all of this on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they pirate other airwaves. And be sure to tune in next time when I go over the episode of Secret Cupet. I will see you then. So, the joke episode title for this episode uh, in England would be called The Family That Advertised. In France, it would be called Good Morning Downtown City. In Germany, it would be Biscuit Advertising Revolution. And in Italy, it would be I Love Biscuit Advertising.